Pastor Xavier Reese and keeping the channel to God open on today's Simple Truths. When you and I do not repent from sin, God cannot hear us. But if we repent by confessing our sins and keeping our accounts short, then we are under tremendous protection. That is why the author of the book of Hebrews says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and to help in time of need. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's easy to say God comes first, that is, until something comes along to take His place. Well, today, Pastor Xavier continues his journey through the book of Genesis and points out the danger of putting people and things before God. Here he is with today's lesson, Returning to One's First Love. Let's listen. When John received the revelation in the island of Patmos, he saw Jesus stand in the midst of all his churches, and then Jesus told him to write letters and send them to the seven churches. He told every one of them to repent except for two, Smyrna, the suffering church, and Philadelphia, the missionary church. They were suffering, didn't have time to get in trouble. They were busy in the Lord's business. <laughs> Interesting. To the first church, Ephesus, listen to what he said. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles or not, and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience. You've labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. This was the sin of Jacob here in chapter 35. He had left his first love. And now Jacob is anxious over the potential retaliation of the people of the land because of the massacre of the men of Shechem, as you know. And so God commands them to return to Bethel. Let me read our text for us. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of your brother Esau. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the days of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earrings that were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which is by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of the Lord was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob." So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the name of the place is called Alon Bakus. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padamaram 
and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am the God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply, and the company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac I give to you and to your descendants after you I give this land. Then God went out from him in the place where he had talked with him. And so Jacob set up a pillar in the place that he had talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when they, uh, there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have the son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benomi. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem, and Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. It had happened when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's midwife, were Dan and Naphtali. And the son of Ziphah, Zilpha, Leah's maidservants, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padaram. Then Jacob came to his father Isaac in Manri, or Kerath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. Now the days of Isaac were a hundred and 80 years, so Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days, and his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. The return of Jacob to Bethel is characterized by the following. First, the call to repent from sin, verse 1 through 7. Second, the call to rededicate himself from sin, verse 9 through 15. And then thirdly, the call to recognize the result of sin, verse 16 through 29. The call to repent from sin is very, very obvious, verse 1 through 7. Look at verse 1. The call to repent came by a command from God to return to Bethel. The command of God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. The phrase go up has an overtone of pilgrimage, as in the Psalms, when they did journey to Jerusalem. Psalm 24, 3 says, who may ascend, same word, Allah, into the hill of the Lord Yahweh, or who may stand in his holy place. Abraham was called to a pilgrimage to offer his only son in Genesis 22. Because possibly Isaac had become an idol. The sin here is idolatry. There's a great parallel, I believe. God always calls us back is because of idolatry. Whatever it may be, it doesn't have to be a little wooden statue. It can be your wife, your child, your car, your bank account, or worse yet, yourself. Whatever it may be. The word Bethel, as you know, means house of God. That's not where he went. That's not where he returned. He was living on the fringes. This was where he should have gone 10 years earlier. 
and he could have avoided the rape of Dinah and the murder of the Hivites there at Shechem. Neglect and procrastination have a way of lowering our spiritual life. Remember that. Neglect and procrastination. Take care of everything a day at a time. There's a little saying in the world that says, don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. That's the same thing in the Lord. Keep your account short. Now notice in verse 1 still, the clear intent was to bring him back to a pure worship. He was to make an altar to God for worship and fellowship, and the altars to fulfill his 30-year vow that he had given to him back in chapter 28, verse 20 through 22, as he ran from his brother. He had vowed it. He hadn't kept it. And so in verse 2 through 4, the call of repentance to the people came then from Jacob. God called Jacob. Jacob now tells the people. For on God's teraphims, certainly from Haran, even as they were taken from Uncle Laban's house <laughs> by Jacob's wife, and possibly from the booty, and I'm talking about spoil, the capture of the stuff, not what today means, okay? Uh, you have to define your terms. They changed meaning through the years. They had killed all the men and taken everything in the city. This would be evidence of true repentance. You put away those things. Now, the word purify is used of purification in the law in Numbers and Leviticus to set yourself aside. Change of garments, ceremonial cleanness. Perhaps the very garments they had defiled themselves with as they massacred the people. Perhaps the garments they had stolen and taken. We're not sure. Notice the consequence of their obedience would be reconciliation to God. Look at verse 3. He indicated their worship of God. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel. Then, after you put these things down, and I will make an altar there to God. He identifies God as the one who appeared to him in his flight from Esau, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. Notice, he has been with me, but Jacob has left his first love. Wow. It is we who leave our first love. He's been with me all the way. The word distress means affliction. Adversity and anguish, which seems to be the character of his life always. <laughs> they were in distress, as you know, at the moment, due to the slaughter of the men of Shechem. He was, he was afraid of that. That's what he told his sons. You've made me stink before the land. They're going to rise up and kill us, destroy us. Now, look at verse 4. The corporate obedience to repentance of all the people was manifested. They were filled with idols. So they gave Isaac all the foreign gods which were in their hand and the earrings which were in their ears. These were amulets of these gods. Exodus 32, 2, 4 speaks about them. Judges 8, many other portions. These guys had come out of Haran where they worshipped the moon god, the sun god. They had gone back to that worship. Jacob, yes. Interesting how commentators don't pick this up. Nobody mentions anything. They allowed Jacob to discard them. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. Evidence of true godly repentance. You put away those things. Now notice in verse 5 through 7, we have the call to repent and return that was confirmed by the favor of God. When God tells us to repent, to turn, if we act, he honors it. Listen, listen very closely. Verse 5, the people were protected supernaturally. They commenced their journey to Bethel, and they witnessed God's divine protection. The terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them. They did not pursue the sons of Jacob. 
Interesting. God did the same for Israel when she brought, he brought her out of the Exodus in Egypt. Exodus 15, 16 and Deuteronomy 2, 25 and many other portions. Protection when we're in obedience to God. We're turning from sin. That was her fear in chapter 34, 30. He was afraid that he was going to get attacked by all the nations for what had taken place. God's faithfulness. This is the loving care of God over them. Notice verse 6, the patriarch Jacob and the people then arrive at Bethel. The place he promised 30 years ago. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel. The promise I've given to Abraham, which is the land of Canaan. So he keeps reminding them. They were following the steps of Abraham from Shechem to Bethel down towards Hebron. Notice the patriarch Jacob in verse 7 fondly commemorated the place of Bethel then. He fulfilled his vow, finally, and he built an altar there. Evidence of restoration for fellowship with God, of course. Confession and restoration takes place. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then he avowed to the faithfulness of God, and he called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. The word appear or appearance was uh, in a dream. And the word has to do with prophetic experiences in 1 Samuel 3, 7 and 21. Literally, the God of the house of God, the God who revealed himself. One has put it this way. If we put off repentance another day, we have a day more to repent of and a day less to repent in. That's good. Some people think the preacher is saying, repeat your sin rather than repent from your sin. The topic of sin is not talked about very much from American pulpits today. We are being inundated with seeker-friendly churches who do not confront people with their sin. Uh, They're not specific about sins like adultery, homosexuality, fornication, and others. They're not mentioned lest people would be offended and be uncomfortable. Every person ever born into this world is a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says. We're dead in trespasses and sins, children of wrath by nature, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, all need to be saved and repent from sin. John 3.16 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 So there is no one ever born into this world, no one living who does not need to be saved, who is not a sinner. I would think that that's a paramount message to address people as they are. Sinners. Our righteousness is filthy rags. Isaiah 64.6 6 says, our heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9. Those are bad combinations. When sin is not mentioned, neither is repentance addressed then. The two go hand in hand. Preacher will say, do you want to better your life? Do you want to know the purpose of God for your life? Do you want all your problems solved? There's no direct mention of sin and its effects on a person's life and the fact that the wrath of God is on their life. 
There is no emphasis on repentance, the need to change one's mind about sin and about God and turning to him for the forgiveness of sins. Consequently, you have a building full of people who do not understand the gospel message of salvation. They have a wrong perspective of the gospel. John the Baptist came preaching repentance from sin. Listen to him. Matthew 3, 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Change your mind. Line it up with the scriptures. Not your opinion, not the worldly model, what the scriptures say about sin. Jesus preached repentance from the time that John the Baptist was cast into prison. In Matthew 4, 17, it says when Jesus heard that John had been cast into prison, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The apostles, read the book of Acts, preached repentance from sin. One case, Acts 2, 38, then Peter said to them, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, repentance is, is not an option. It's not a, a suggestion. It's a command. A command. When you and I do not repent from sin, God cannot hear us. But if we repent by confessing our sins and keeping our accounts short, then we are under tremendous protection. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Heavy scripture. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Proverbs 28, 13 he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. You're familiar with 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I write these things unto you, unto you that you do not practice sin, but if you stumble and fall, you have Jesus Christ, the advocate for the defense, the righteous. And that is why the author of the book of Hebrews, in chapter 4, verse 16, he says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and to help in time of need. The return of Jacob to Bethel was a call to repent from sin. Very clearly. Some of you are in sin. And God tells you to repent. But he won't force you. He waits to see you respond. Notice the call to rededicate himself from sin comes next. Because if we repent from something, then we have to turn to something else, right? So we rededicate ourselves to God, which is away from sin. Look at verse 8 through 13. The recalling of the blessing was the focus. In verse 8, the time was at the death of Deborah. Deborah was Rebecca's nurse, as you know. She probably came to Jacob after Rebecca's death. In Genesis 24, 59, we see her there. And the scripture says nothing about Rebecca's death. Has that puzzled you? You remember what she told her son Jacob when she contrived the deception of his father? And he was freaking out, saying, no, I'll bring a curse on me. Listen, 
The curse be upon me, my son. Only obey my voice. Genesis 27, 13. You don't hear of her after she said that. He never saw her. Mommies, daddies, you be careful on how you lead your children. You make sure you give them godly counsel. God doesn't look favorably upon parents who do not walk in agreement with him, particularly in counsel for their children. Deborah died as she was buried below Bethel there under the terebinth tree. Very few women are recorded in Scripture. 140 years earlier, she had left Haran with Rebekah. No age is given, but she could have been 160 to 170 years old. Pretty old gal. They named the place Alon Bakuth, Oak of Weeping, in memory of her. Now, notice the manner was that God, in which God appeared to Jacob is given to us in verse 9. So it was at that time when she died that God appeared. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Panaram. That was the first time. The first time there at Bethel, the second time he was told to leave Haran, but he, wasn't, he didn't appear, he just was told. The third time was at Peniel as he wrestled with Jesus Christ at Jabok. This is the fourth time. So you have a couple appearances of God, and the other ones he just makes himself known. Now the purpose is clearly stated, notice, and blessed him. The word bless, as you know, means to pronounce a benefit, and it's related to the blessing that's indicated, whatever it may be, but it's to bestow something of great value or benefit. The blessing of God is a unifying theme, as you know, through the book of Genesis. His approval being bestowed by benefits, especially regarding the ability to procreate. That was the first way it was used in Genesis 1.28, and it follows. This is also included here. What a blessing it is to have children. That a child could come forth from a man and a woman, husband and wife, that look so much like both of them, that tie them together for life, and they pass on. Notice the crucial reminder to Jacob was who he was to be in verse 10. God puts his finger on the problem here. What he was by nature in the flesh is first stated. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore. This was before Jabok, remember? Jacob, what are you doing as Jacob? Wow. This was a self-sufficient man. And then what he was to be in his new nature, in contrast, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. He reminded him again. God reminds Jacob that he was to be characterized as one who is ruled by God, not by the flesh. Going back to Genesis 32, 20 to Jabok. Some say this is more of a positive note since there is no explanation of the name Israel. I have a hard time going with that interpretation in view that the spiritual condition of Jacob and all of his people was idolatry. And he was called to repent. God is reminding him, what are you doing there? What are you doing living as Jacob when you're Israel? That's what he's saying. It's a rebuke. It is 
once again an exhortation to walk in the Spirit, if you will. He might very well say the same thing to any one of us. Pastor Xavier Reese, and a gentle reminder to live according to your calling, not your flesh. And he has much more to share on this important topic to come, but if you won't be able to join us for the next edition of Simple Truths, you can pick up a copy of this message, and the title to request is Returning to One's First Love. It's available on CD for only $4, and this is a great way to introduce this ministry to a friend or loved one. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Returning to One's First Love, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station and all your correspondence. We use this information to measure the impact of this outreach in your area. Why is it so hard to live a life that brings honor to God? Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Don't miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 